drink it in now. Touchdown Detroit Lions! Cornbread! 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 Drink it in now. Detroit Kool-Aid, Detroit Kool-Aid drinkers, Friday, right here on the Detroit Kool-Aid cast. I don't know if you heard that. I was kind of moving around from the microphone, trying to give you that that great Detroit Kool-Aid here on a Friday, everyone's favorite day of the week. Now, I'm recording a little bit early, kind of midweek, because one, my head's already in Indianapolis for Michigan, Iowa, where I will be there in person rooting on my Wolverines for the first Big Ten title and I don't know how long, maybe since uh, I've been a fan. I don't know. It's been that long since they've got there and done it. Well, were they in the first one? I think they were in the first one when they finally started this. I can't even remember how that went down. It's been way too long. Mr. Harbaugh getting it done, coming off the greatest game I may have personally seen. I may have had a man tear this past Saturday when Michigan vanquished that team from Ohio. Ohio State is vanquished. <laughs> exactly. But we're here to talk Detroit Lions. So I'm your host, Eric Oakry, right here on the Detroit Kool-Aid cast, serving up that Honolulu Blue Kool-Aid twice a week, Wednesdays and Fridays for you here on the show. Drink it in. Uh... Side of cornbread. Cornbread. Make it a double. Cornbread. <laughs> so... It... Before I start recording, I'm kind of like, man, should I like break down like Lions stats versus Minnesota and turnover ratio and how many rushing yards per game each team allows? And I was like, man, I'm not doing that. <laughs> Nobody wants to hear that. There are plenty of other podcasts that'll bore you to death with all the uh, detailed numbers and go through it like the alphabet soup. I was like, you guys just want me to turn on the microphones, say some crazy things, entertain you, and try to tell you why the Detroit Lions are going to get a dub ski this Sunday in Ford Field, their first one of the season against those Vikings from Minnesota. Isn't that their stupid horn? Yeah, we're not going to have to hear that because it's going to be in Ford Field. There's going to be a lot of, uh, you know... Uh, Theo singing the old fight song. We're scoring some touchdowns here, but we'll talk about that uh, Vikings game, talk about some things off the top. And then after the back half of the show, I want to talk about Dan Campbell. I want to talk about Dan freaking Campbell here on the show because I pumped him up before the season. I've continued to hype him. He's continually let me down. There's lots of questions, this, that, and the third about him. He's kind of like, you know, going through the motions. He doesn't have any wins. He's still a great guy. We'll get into a lot of the stuff going on with Dan Campbell and why he should still be encouraged as a Detroit Kool-Aid drinker and Alliance fan. So we'll talk about Dan freaking Campbell at the end of the show. All right, let, let's let's get rolling. We don't mess around here on the show. Let's get right into it. The biggest news and notes in this football game, there's no need to dig for any big 
storylines. I mean, the the main matchup question in this game, there's probably not going to be any DeAndre Swift and there's not going to be any Dalvin Cook. So you got <coughs> excuse me, you got two stud running backs that are going to be out in this game. You got the best player, really the one of the only impact offensive players for the Lions out. You've got Dalvin Cook who's normally out most of the time, but when he's in, he's a beast. He runs you over. He can run past you. He's an absolute top end running back in the game. And I think, like every time he plays the Lions, he's out because, he, like I said, he's always hurt. But he probably thinks it's a great time to take a little three week vacation, um, like he does multiple times a season. And and the Lions are going to have to deal with Alexander Madison, one of the best names in sports. This guy's a great running back as well. And the, the Vikings also still have weapons. I mean, we're talking about Justin Jefferson. I don't know how Adam Thielen is good, but he continues to put up yards, touchdowns every time I look up. Um, and, and Captain Kirk, Kirk Cousins, um, is one of the most boring, white, milquetoast, ridiculously bland quarterbacks in the game. Just a, an absolute dad in every sense of the word, but he does put up numbers. He does put the ball on point, especially against the Lions. But before we get into that, like I say, these two running backs being out is going to be the big question to me. I don't know if the Detroit Lions can overcome no Swift. They sure couldn't on Thanksgiving. Um, they sure were better when he was up and rolling and making big time plays against the Rams, Steelers, Cleveland Browns. So without him, it's going to be tough. Now, the people that are backing him up, like if you're a fantasy football player, this is a nice week to squeak in Jamal Williams. I mean, he's been good all year long, and I don't see why he wouldn't be even better in this football game where he starts rolling downhill, could see a 100-yard game out of him, could see the end zone once, maybe twice. That's what the Lions are going to need to win. And then there's this kid, Justin, or Jamar, sorry, Jamar Jefferson, um, that the Lions took in the seventh round. He's played very limited, but the couple times he has played, I think he's got two touchdowns, got a couple big plays. He hurt himself. He came back. They didn't use him. I think they'll use this guy quite a bit in this game, as well as Godwin Igwe. Buke, I would expect him to be out there. He's showed some things when he gets the football. Now, am I hanging my hat on him as a player? Do I want him back in 2022? Do I want him consistently touching the football as a running back? No. <laughs> but when he has done it this year where we have no talent and we've been struggling, um, I would expect those backup two guys to play pretty decent. So that that's going to be the big thing. Can the Lions still run it? They're kind of being stubborn. They want to run it. They're a running team. We got a good offensive line. We can't throw it. So what do you have to do? You have to run it, I guess. And they've done that decent at times, but it still hasn't got them a win. It's a hard way to win in the NFL, which is run it a ton and get great runs all the time. Here's my big pet peeve. Again, people would know I've been ranting and raving on the show. I put rants up. I I try to entertain you with rants. I also can't help myself when my team hasn't won a game and over, and we're going into week 13 of the National Football League. But here's the thing. How annoying is it when, when teams across the league continue to want to run up the gut on like third and short, fourth and short, consistently through the game? You know how much beef there is in the middle of an offensive and defensive line? There's about... You know, if you got four or five guys up front, they're all 330-plus pounds, uh, you know, maybe not 330, but you know what I mean. Anywhere from 3 to 315-ish plus across the board. I mean, you're looking at 
thousands of pounds of humanity in there getting in the way. So, like, I think it's a bad play to try to run up the gut when you really need it. I'd be running outside. I'd be dialing up some of my great little short trick plays, misdirection. All this, hey, got to be tough, fourth and one. We're just going to run it up the middle where everyone, all it takes is, like, your nose tackle or your, to knock your center off the off his spot and then another guy to collapse down and then there's nowhere to go. <laughs> I mean, it really is, and it drives me nuts every week when teams just continue to run into their own offensive linemen or get blown up in the backfield because they're they're running right into the sea of humanity. I mean, go get some guy out in space or be creative for once, and you'd probably move the sticks a little bit more, score a few more touchdowns when you're inside the three-yard line. So that, that's my mini rant here off the top of the show is hopefully they will – do good in the running game, but not be so stubborn that when it's third and one, fourth and one, and you just think you're going to outsmart people by running directly up the gut when they know you're going to run directly up the gut, and then it never works, that maybe you do something different um, when it comes to that perspective. But, you know, if we're, if we're previewing this game between the Vikings and Lions, I mean, for me, it's just a, the other main talking point is the Lions haven't won a ball game. I don't know if you noticed that. I don't know if I mentioned that here on the show. They're over. They're 0-10-1. We have a tie a freaking tie um heading in this ball game like everyone's like oh good we tied now we can't go 0 and 17 this should not be the hope like for this team or for any team in the league for that matter there's a cap there's a way to acquire talent there's thing this thing called the draft like for them to be trying to just oh maybe next week we'll get it maybe this will be the week we win it's embarrassing as i said on wednesday it's a travesty this is ridiculous that we're going through this again yes do i want them to win of course am i tired of this garbage where we're like hoping we win and we gave it a try and we were close and we're building something here yeah it's getting a little annoying i gotta admit so the lions need a win everybody knows that the vikings are right in the playoff race so they're gonna want it of course they do have dynamic talents last time the lions played jefferson for them started off killing us and then they didn't go to him the rest of the game and that's why the lions were able to stay in it and uh, lose on the last second field goal i would expect justin jefferson to absolutely be featured in this game be thrown to a ton with no dalvin cook and it's gonna be a great matchup for Jury Jacobs J U U U R R R R Y Y Y Y Jury Jacobs. This kid's a baller. He won't be scared. I'll tell you that. He'll be ready. But Justin Jefferson is a ball player, so keep your eye on that one. For the Lions, I mean, I'm looking at these games like last game. Oh man, Jared Goff. He had a good game. He threw for 171. I mean, most quarterbacks are throwing for like a buck two five a buck fifty a half you know this guy has 171 the whole ball game 21 for 25 great but like i told some of my buddies i mean you don't get credit when you're completing all these passes and having this high completion percentage when your average depth of target is like two yards 1.6 whatever is yard this guy he continues to throw bubbles and behind the line of scrimmage and screens and crossers and two feet in front of his face it's it's so frustrating to watch and and i went on my rant on wednesday show saying he can't throw and and so maybe he's throwing these nothing passes because anything five yards plus down the field is an absolute wounded duck ugly looking pass like 
the thing I'll give Jared Goff is I feel like when he's protected and when he can go through and throw the ball on time, he can hit people, whether it be crossers or out routes or that flag route kind of thing that uh, Hawkinson ran to the, the front pylon. You know, but we haven't seen any, you know, seam balls this year. Right up the seam, throw a thirty-yard dart and just right over the linebacker's head to our to a guy like T. J. Hawkins. We haven't seen barely any nice deep balls that have went right up over the defender or been thrown on the line. We haven't seen any crisp fifteen-yard slants that are just beautifully thrown balls. That's what it's going to take to win, man. This quarterback's got to play better. He's got to be a winning factor, not like, well, he didn't lose the game for us that time. Oh, he actually made a couple plays. Congratulations. We need more than a couple plays from you to win, Jared Goff. So he's got to be better. Jay Swaggy Williams, I think, will be a good player. I have liked what I've seen from Josh Reynolds. I feel like he's been a smooth-looking athlete out there. He's still young, 25, 26 years old. He's got height. He's got that length in the arms. Like I said, runs nice, smooth route, it appears. Now, he's featured right now, and he's the guy, so I would like to see he got three for 70 in a tug last game. I'd like to see those type of stats, anywhere from 50 to 100 yards a game and you know, he's going to have to find the end zone more often than not because there hasn't there isn't much else out there. St. Brown seems to be coming on a bit. Lots of little short routes, lots of crossers. You still don't see that dynamic ability to get up the field or beat a, beat a corner clean and, and, and for a downfield, just kind of like he'll get lost in the wash in zones, catch it, run for 15, 18 yards, which is fine, Like especially when they upgrade their receivers. like That'll be a nice little Golden Tate light type piece. I feel like he will be underneath uh, when he gets going. But when you look at the offense, I mean, if it's not Hawkinson and Reynolds and St. Brown, who's it going to be? You know, we haven't seen Khalif Raymond. Uh, he's on the back of a milk carton. And he's just been absolutely lost the last three, four games. There's really nothing else. And, like, yeah, our line is decent, but you continue to see last game holding calls, false starts. You see Penny Sewell get off his spot sometimes and get off balance it is nice when he fires out on those screens though and shows his athleticism you got taylor decker who's pretty solid but he's also had some moments where he's getting roasted toasted and extra crispy and getting giving up sacks and penalties and you know have to listen to him in post game is sometimes a little bit of a, a chore where he's you know pretty i don't know i don't know what it is he's like a red ass you know he kind of like it's it's he sounds tough, but he also sounds like he's complaining half the time. And, you know, it's just like I can't tell if he's a great locker room leader or if he's one of those guys the Lions need to kind of get away from where he's just there's always excuse or it's always a, you know, reason why it didn't happen. And, you know, we'll get him next time. You know, it's that type of mentality. I think that they do have to get over here in Detroit to win ball games. So I don't know. Like when I'm previewing this game, I just think the way they win is it's in it's at home. So, you know, have that somewhat going for them. They also will have um, just that indoors, no weather conditions to worry about. Jared Goff, you know, this is optimal. You know, we had to listen to all this whining about the wind and the rain. and the, the, It's football. So Jared Goff can't play in any type of weather. He's got to go for that reason, too, because you're going to have tough weather games in this division and in general. So we can't be playing indoors seven-on-seven seven all the time, number 16. 
But, I mean, good conditions, you know, it all depends if they can get that run game going with Jay Swaggy and, and Jefferson as well as, um, you know, are you going to pull out a trick play here or there? Are you going to try to out-scheme the other team? Or are you just going to go out there and try to win every game, you know, 10-7, 13-10? Like, it's just very frustrating that we're losing games and this defense continues to play above their head. This defense doesn't have any names. Everyone's hurt, but they're holding teams to – you know, 13, 16, 10, 20-some. You know what I mean? You should be able to be in and win those games. And that's the other thing why I'm so frustrated about this season because the Lions have been in a quite a bit of games. And they just wait till the very end to lose it, which makes it even worse. If you were just getting blown out every game, you wouldn't be ripping the hearts out of the fans. But when you hang in, you show some things, and then you wait till the end and call a double timeout or, you know, let a 66-yard field goal go in or, you know, hang in there in overtime against the Steelers in Pittsburgh and then tie. Like, it's just... Those are the things that drive us crazy as fans and as Kool-Aid drinkers. So that's been the hard part, but... Again, previewing the game, I, I, I got to lean Vikings here. I love the Lions to get a win, but I think when you got Jefferson Thielen, Madison, Kirk Cousins, that should be enough offensively. The, hopefully the Lions can do some things offensively because I don't think the Vikings are that great on defense, but that's TBD. That's wait and see. That's I'm still waiting, but uh, I would have to chalk this up as probably like 27 to 20 or 27 17 somewhere in that range I'll go 27 um yeah I'll go 27 20 Vikings I mean I would love to uh serve up that Kool-Aid if I had to give you a Kool-Aid prediction it'd be like the Lions offense just plays out of their gourd they they pull a trick play they score on a kick something it ends up being like 31 30 Lions pull it out at the buzzer and everyone's dancing in the streets so there there's your Kool-Aid prediction as well as what I think might actually happen in this game for you drink it in cornbread cornbread all right so so let's do this let's take a break again a little bit shorter show because I'm I'm college football. I'm Michigan Wolverines. I mean, I mean, we're we're straight up vanquishing teams. You know what I'm saying? Ohio State is vanquished. <laughs> exactly. I cannot wait for this Big Ten title game. I've never been to the stadium there in Indy. I've never been to this big of a college football game, so I cannot wait for it. So, th- there's your your preview. I'm probably. Uh, you know, in Indy or about to be there and about to get rowdy rowdy for this game and get the Michigan Wolverines a Big Ten title and come back. So let's take a commercial break. We come back. I got to talk about Dan freaking Campbell, the guy that was going to bite kneecaps, the guy that had all this fun swagger early in the season, the guy that's tough, that can beat up other coaches, that can um, motivate his guys, but he hasn't been able to win. And there's lots to talk about there. So we'll do all that right after the break, everybody. We'll be right back. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. All right, everybody, 
This goes out to my fantasy football fans out there. Now, you probably heard about Reality Sports Online, the most powerful fantasy sports platform where owners can build and manage their fantasy team like a real NFL general manager. But the question is, have you tried it? I mean, we're talking free agency, multi-year contracts, rookie drafts, multi-team trades. You could put franchise tags on guys. Uh, It's as close as you're going to get to being an NFL GM. But do you think it sounds complicated? It's not. I'm here to tell you it's the best thing about Reality Sports Online is it's just more fun than your normal fantasy league, but it doesn't take barely any more time. After all this, are you still not sure? I mean, come on now. You can test your general manager skills by going over to Reality Sports Online, call it RSO. Please go check out realitysportsonline.com right now. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. All right, everybody. All my Detroit Kool-Aid drinkers out there, thank you so much for listening to the show and supporting. Uh, I love coming on here talking football. We'll have our great guests coming on after this. We got the king of all bros, Stefan, will be back. We got Logan Lamarandier from Sports Illustrated All Lions. We've got Joey from the Believe Podcasting Network that will be coming back, um, as well as my buddy Chops. He'll be coming on to talk Wolverines. Detroit Lions, we got Red Wings talk from a hockey insider that we'll get into. We'll have all that coming up here in the next few weeks, so that should be fun. But two solo shows this week. I hope I entertained you on Wednesday. It kind of went crazy, did some fun rants, got after it, played some sound drops. And, uh, and yeah, I want to finish the show talking about Dan Campbell. Dan freaking Campbell, and that's this. You know, the, the hot topic is the play calling, you know, him taking the duties from Anthony Lynn. Now, I liked it at first because I was like, hey, man, this guy's not waiting around. He's not doing the same old, same old. He's saying, I got to get this offense fixed instead of just hoping that Anthony Lynn and company do it. I'm going to take the play sheet. I'm going to talk to Jared Goff. I'm going to get us going, and I'm going to motivate these guys to get it fixed and get it fixed now. That was my hope in the beginning. Now, he ran two very conservative, run-heavy game plans out in the terrible weather. wasn't really that bad, but you know we had to use that as a big crutch the whole time. And he hung in those ball games. But then when you lose to Chicago at home on Thanksgiving, you show no creativity. You show no explosiveness. You just you just fumble your way through the game. It's unacceptable. You know, it's like, to me, he's trying hard. He's doing what he can. But we don't need Dan Campbell, the offensive coordinator. We don't need Dan Campbell, the genius play caller. We need Dan Campbell, the head coach. We need him as the guy that needs to be a little more fiery on the sidelines. A little bit more of the guy early in the season that was at least had seemed like he had a game plan to throw everything against the wind and go after people, be aggressive, and try to get wins. Now, that didn't work, so now he's trying to be more conservative, and I don't want to cost us games. You got to pick one, Dan. You got to be one or the other. One of my favorite bits is when uh, Matt Derry on Lockdown Line, come on, Dan, <laughs> he does his Lomas. Oh, man, that's 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 tremendous. But Mr. Campbell, Coach Campbell, 
has got to pick one side or the other. You got to be ultra aggressive or you got to play it, you know, a little bit safer, but you can't flip flop every other week. Now, I do like his mentality of sort of, hey, you know, we're going to go with the flow of the game and I'm going to feel it out. I, I'm going to, you know, I, we're close and these guys are working hard. I think some of those things are true. And I think some of it is this first time coach that's just trying to go through the coaching for dummies book and be like, all right, I've got to say this or I'm supposed to be this way. And it's not working. <laughs> You're not getting the results you need. So as, as cool of a guy as he sounds sometimes and the fact that he is smart, where I bet he's like a good guy to work for, and he's a guy that, you know, rolls with the punches and is an asshole, you know, all these things. But you have to turn that into production, and that's wins in the NFL. And he doesn't have any of those yet. So some of this, you know, funny rhetoric or the, hey, he laughs at press conferences and he tells fun stories and he does goofy stuff and he's a good quality man and human being it's wearing off rather quickly with the fan base and so the first thing I think he just needs to turn the play calling over to someone else or get a really good offensive coordinator next year because we don't need this guy with a play sheet call in place very vanilla very bland and of course some of it's because he doesn't have these dynamic playmakers all over the field but it just doesn't really make sense now that I've seen him for three games for him to continue to do this, even though he said in a presser that he will continue to play call plays for the rest of the season. So note to Dan Campbell, if you're going to call plays, how about let's get a little creative, aggressive, and like stop playing scared, man. You got no wins. Like at the end of these games, you need to do things to help you win, not to you know help you lose. And He's been more of a negative than a positive or more conservative than aggressive, in my opinion. And that's not what we need from the knee-biting Dan Campbell. Um, you know, every press conference, he keeps saying, we got to clean it up. Got to clean this up. Got to clean that up. We can clean this up. Hey, we watched it on tape. We know we need to clean that up. Well, then clean it up. Okay? Like, this is the same stuff that we got sick of with Matt Stafford and Matt Pat and all these people. They say the same old stuff, and it doesn't ever get better. You know, it's just, okay, wow, your defense is playing I <laughs> They're not beating anyone. They're not playing incredible football. They're playing pretty good for a team of no-name guys right now. Wow, like you don't get any roses or butterflies for that. You know what I mean? Like let's clean up the mistakes, you know. The first thing you can do as a coach is at least limit all the the penalties and the mental errors and the we don't know what the hell we're doing things that we continue to see on the football field with the Lions. And that'll help you stay in ball games by simply doing that. Or when your players don't do that, here's the thought. Get them off the field. Replace them. Have some accountability where instead of the same guy, I don't care if it's TJ Hawkinson. Like, you continue to have false start. Pull them off the field for a quarter. Sit over there until you figure out what the snap count is, you know? These are the type of things I thought Dan Campbell was going to bring, this accountability and this aggressiveness and this, hey, we're going to fight, 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 and fight some more. But instead, it's like, oh, you went offsides, no big deal. Oh, hey, that's our eighth holding call. It happens. We'll clean it up. No, you won't. You haven't. So there's that. Like, Dan Campbell, like, the in-game mistakes, the use of the, the misuse of timeouts, the clock issues, like, I can give him a little bit of a pass because I've always said like a first time coach is like when you start that job that you've never done before, like everything you see is somewhat new and people say, well, he's been in the league for a long time and he played, 
it's still, it's totally different when you're the head coach. You do have to call the timeouts, the challenges, watch the clock, manage the coordinators, talk to your play, you know, all the things you got to do. He's going through that for the first time. So I expect some of these goof ups, these kind of cluster messes that he's put us in, but I also expect it to stop here at some point and not continue to happen or continue to get worse. So those definitely need to start disappearing as well as, you know, like I say, where where is that fun, aggressive guy on the sideline? Most of the time you just see him. He's kind of mild-mannered going around, and every once in a while he's barking. You know, this team needs more than that to get up over the hump. So hopefully that's just like a, hey, his first year, second year, he doesn't make those mistakes. We'll be curious if he continues to make some of the same mess-ups more than once because that's what's happened this season. Those first few times, ah, you know, he, he just was trying this, trying that. Now we're like 13 weeks in, and we're like – yeah, we're kind of sick of the uh, I didn't know or, oh, yeah, you know, double timeout or we were, we were confused, we were in the wrong coverage. Like, it's just getting old already and we're only 13 games in, you know. But season two has got to be a lot better when it comes to that perspective. I do think he's a real good leader. I do think he's a real honest guy, and that can go a long way. When you're a leader of men as well as a open, honest person, Good, bad, or otherwise, I think that goes a long way with people, with morale, with the sense of, hey, even if this guy's not winning, even if it's not coming together, like, he's being himself, he's got the players behind him, and he's not going to come out and boldface lie to you. Now, do I think Dan Campbell and company need to be a little more secretive with some of their plans, some of their injuries, and some of their draft and free agent type stuff when, when we get to that point? Yeah, I do. I think there is something to be said for being you know under the radar and people not know what you're doing before you do it now you don't have to be secretive about everything as some of our previous regimes were but some of his openness does kill me i've said that previously on the show but good leader honest guy i think that will go a long way i think dan campbell like i I do think he'll be better as a coach when he has a better set of playmakers on offense as well as just a better overall team I mean everyone wants to always have this argument where what if you put Nick Saban as the Lions coach like would he be incredible or would he fail what what would Bill Belichick do with this you know group of talent like I would love to see it happen sometime because I, I don't think that these great coaches would be able to take the current players and win at a high level. Now, I think if you gave them five years, yeah, they could weed out the right players and build up and, and be better than maybe Dan Campbell end up being. But right now at this moment, I don't think you could just drop a coach in here and be like, you'd be tearing it up or we'd have some ferocious team. I mean, I think it is what it is at this point, but I do think he will look smarter, be better and can be more aggressive and more, um, Uh, just look like a better overall coach when his team is better. That just makes sense to me on so many levels. Um, I'm not sure why they didn't like address some of these things or be more aggressive both in the off season or as those injuries quickly piled up. I feel like a lot of our top players went out early and they just sort of stead pat. I know Twitter folks and people will be like, well, we're trying to get the draft pick. We don't want to win this year anyway. We don't want to go win this. I know that. And you also could have picked up guys here or there that are actually going to be contributors you know, years down the road instead of just rolling with all of your undrafted guys, all of your second, third string guys that are out there starting. Now, 
Are you going to find guys like Jerry Jacobs and possibly uh, Price and who's the other? AJ Parker. I mean, okay, you found a few corners. Great. I mean, depth corners. I mean, Jerry Jacobs might be a baller. I'm big, big on that kid from what I've seen so far. But the other guys, like they're they're okay. But he didn't strike gold with any of those. As well as Reynolds, if he could stay around, that'd be a nice like piece on the receiver position that you found or got or lucked into. But other than that, they've just stood pat. And I think that's kind of a warning sign of Brad Holmes. It's like. You know, I know there's not top talent sitting around there at the bowling alley, but I feel like you could have been a little more aggressive to say, man, we don't want to have a super lackluster squad all year long because the fan base will do what they've done, which is sour on this team, walk away from this team a bit, not care, be embarrassed, be real frustrated. And then what's going to happen? I'll wait till next year. Wait till this. And if you don't flip the script like we've been waiting on where like everyone says wait till next year and then you do go pile up 8, 9, 10, 11 wins, they're going to they're going to continue to be frustrated. So I know you're taking the long approach, but part of me is like you could have been a little more aggressive in the short term to give your head coach as well as your team a better chance to win more games and now than they have and now that they will because you just you got what you got at this point. Um, so I'm, I'm not sure why they didn't do a little bit more than they did. You know, a bad record, a winless record, I mean, that's going to hurt you big time heading into year two, in my opinion. You're not going to have free agents that want to come here. You know, it doesn't matter how draft good your draft is. They're not just going to all walk in and be ball players and, you know, take you from zero wins up to, you know, what you need to be a, a playoff contender. So I, I think that's why these last few games are really important that you do need to win multiple games. You do need to come away and somehow maybe go on a little run here for a few game stretch and maybe they win three out of four or two out of four or end up with four wins somehow and you're like, all right, I was worried about zero and now they got four. I feel pretty good about that because zero isn't going to look good. One isn't going to look good. Two isn't going to feel good. And that's not going to help your chances to be a lot better next year. Now, I'm expecting an exponential um, growth from this team based on what I think they can bring back healthy, what they can add on multiple levels. But I mean, that might be the Kool-Aid. Drink it in, man. <laughs> it might. I'm not going to say it's not. But, uh, you know, going from zero to a playoff contender next year would be a real big jump, in my opinion, as well as it's uh, it's much more hopeful than, than actual. It, so I'd like them to get some wins as well as realize that just totally tanking this year and not doing much to improve your team. It's, it might hurt you more in your years two, three, four than you think right now. Um, they, they just need to be more aggressive from front office to head coach, Dan Campbell. Like again, you kind of clunked your way through three ball games here, trying to win tight ones. And yes, you were in all those games, but you lost all those games and you were in all those games, but you did nothing very impressive other than Deandre Swift, you know, balling out in a couple of those games. So you got six, some games left be ultra aggressive, go for it on fourth, 
pull out a, a a reverse pass by you know one of your receivers like fake a kick or two when the time is right like um, you know go for two more than you normally would like just do what you got to do no one cares if you lose 40 to 14 but don't keep losing by two three four six type points like just go for it and try to get the w at that point because Detroit would have a lot more pride, I think, in a very aggressive, no-nonsense, throw-everything-at-the-wind type of team than a guy that's trying to win you know, 13-10 um, when his quarterback throws for 120 yards and no touchdowns. You know, like, let it rip. Tell your quarterback, throw it even when it's not open. That's what the greats do. And I think that's what Dan Campbell needs to do to win some of these fans back show that he isn't scared, show that he will bite some kneecaps, and show that this team, yeah, fighting is hanging in there and working hard and all that stuff, but fighting is also like finding a way to outdo your opponent, both on, off the field, in practice, and in personnel and everything. So I feel like they've slept to walk through this year, to be honest, and I don't think it's acceptable for me, the fan base, whoever. So... Dan Campbell, I'm still on your side, man. I like you as a person. I think you have that football-type moxie. You look like a football coach. You've been in the game a long time. You learn from the greats of Sean Payton and company. You need a lot better talent. You need a lot more health on this team. I don't know what it is. They just cut bait with Deshaun Hand. It's like they're cutting bait with some of these losers that were always hurt or say they were hurt just to kind of not play and still collect their check. Could you imagine? Here's a little half rant for you. The way the National Football League works, yes, they can cut you at any time, you know, whatever, but they also pay a lot of players to sit out games and, and... and what I've always said is, like, we're a hardworking city in, like, Detroit and everywhere. Could you imagine if, like, you just called up tomorrow and told your boss, like, ah, oh, my hamstring's a little tight. I'm going to have to be laid up for three, four weeks. But but just pay me the same as if I was at work. You know, that's what it is with some of these lackluster guys that get hurt all the time or that lay up with these injuries. It's like, what do they care? It's the exact same money that they get for being, quote, unquote, injured and out than it is for busting their butt for 64 quarters and, and getting, you know, the offensive linemen getting pounded, running backs getting pounded. You're out there in the physical game of football. Instead, these guys like Julio Jones and Sean Hand and, you know, other guys across the league are just like always hurt. And the check counts the same, you know, sitting at home collecting the same check as if they're out there working. Same check, usually a way bigger check than the guy like Jerry Jacobs is out there working, putting in work, fighting. You know what I mean? So I feel like the Lions are trying to weed those guys out. But like until they can get players that aren't like that, like that's why I think I'm leaning or I'm positive about them possibly drafting Aiden Hutchinson because there's really no doubt in my mind that he's never going to be one of those guys that's going to be laid up with a a minor back tweak or my hamstring, I'm out for six weeks. You know, he's going to be out there balling with his boys, coming after you, being tenacious. And that's what the Lions need a lot more of to win. So, Dan Campbell, you need to be that guy across the board. I do think these guys like you. I do think they're willing to play for you. I think that if you get more offensive skill, both at quarterback, wide receiver, and, and some defensive playmakers that you will do better. 
but I need you to do better these last six games. I need you to be more aggressive. I need you to find ways to win. And just like I said, at the end of the day, don't be scared. Play like you want it. Play like you're going to go get it and let the chips fall where they may. <sighs> so that's what I got, everybody, on a Friday. Again, I can't end without playing it. I mean, this. I'm still on a high from last Saturday after this. Ladies and gentlemen, Wolverine Nation, the long drought is over. Ohio State is vanquished. The Wolverines are going to win this one. 42-27 is the score, and the Wolverines are going to go to Indianapolis with a chance to win a Big Ten title. The Ohio State is vanquished. Ohio State is vanquished. Ohio State is vanquished. Ohio State is vanquished. Exactly. So finally, finally, Lendale White was proven true, honest, and right with what he said. Hey, listen, Ohio State sucks. (laughs) (laughs) After that big victory... I'm getting the opportunity to head to Indy to see the Wolverines against Iowa. Hopefully bring bring home a Big Ten title and then head to the college football playoffs to possibly win and play for a national title. I mean, again, with all the woes that our Lions are going through, please drink that Detroit Kool-Aid. But if you're a Wolverine fan... Or just a fan of college football and you live in the state of Michigan, you gotta be loving what the Wolverines are doing. It's a very exciting time. And we'll talk about all that and more Lions next week. Right here on the D Troy Kool-Aid cast. Take care, everybody. We're out. Ohio State is vanquished. Drink it in, man. Drink it in, man.